Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Shadow of the GM podcast, with me, your host, GM Shadow. This is episode 22 of Shadow of the GM podcast, and this is the biggie. This is the D&D 5e perspective. So without any delay, I'm just going to launch straight into it. So why 5e is the best system in the world. Fifth edition is the best edition of D&D in the world for lots of reasons. The main one is that Wizards of the Coast realized with 4E they completely messed up. They ruined it. They messed it up completely. So this time they realized, let's do a play test. This time they did a big, massive public beta play test and they found out what the players want, what everybody who was playing the game really, really wanted. Not just the select people who picked for some select play tests. They found everyone who was playing, put it out to the public, asked people to come in and join in. And what happened then is we got iterations of the game. There's lots of iterations with new sets of rules that came along and some that got dropped off and some that were actually core in some of the iterations that actually stayed as optional rules. So some of the rules I knew some people liked, but others didn't. They actually kept them around. They didn't lose them. They didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater with this edition. They kept things in and they kept it going. Going. What's also amazing about it, the thing that really sold it for me when it came out, is it was back to theatre of the mind. Less of these grids, moving away from the whole, you know, third edition, fourth edition, Pathfinder kind of way with lots of grids, lots of grid maps and things. Less grids, back to theatre of the mind. And again, more of a focus on role playing here, because not only was it theatre of the mind, we brought in things about backgrounds, backgrounds that had some sort of mechanical input that gave you skills, both fleshing out your character a bit. What were they before they became a fighter? What were they before they became a wizard? A lot more in that. Things about bonds and flaws as well so now your characters actually have reasons to role play connections to people and places outside of just the character class and then the thing that's really still developing people advantage and disadvantage this has been such a universally accepted mechanic that everyone's using it everywhere now you see advantage rules everywhere lots of different systems they also capped put caps on skills and abilities one of the things that came in in fourth edition was the idea that people were getting too overpowered so they thought well how can we manage this so they capped ability scores at 20 capped skill bonuses at 15 with the new proficiency system you didn't have ridiculously high levels of roles and things so it was a really really great idea to kind of give you decent characters but not have these stupidly overpowered characters moving around what's more to my point of view is it made magic users more useful without making everyone the same that's what i said about fourth edition in the past with fourth edition everyone almost had abilities like magic users but this time they kind of threw that back out and said no that doesn't really work You've got to keep them special so you still have magic but now the memorization system works a lot better you still memorize spells but you don't take up specific slots you still have your slots but you can choose which spells that are the ones you've memorized go in there it might seem like a minor thing but it makes a lot of difference in your flexibility as a spellcaster is what you can use also healing without spells lots of new rules around healing abilities divine powers for clerics let them heal without having to use spell slots themselves it means that now the cleric's not just a standard healer all the time so again a new way of managing that brilliant the main thing for me that makes this system the best however are the free rules we now have DD basic rules that anyone can have for free and they can start running the game they don't have to spend a fortune on these books there's now free rules and free rules are also out there so you can make new supplements you can develop your own aspects of the game on versions of the game a bit like the OGL but this time with the basic rules that you can use and adapt them so for me this makes the system the best in the world it added a lot of the problems we're back to theatre to the mind we've still got skills but in a more useful way it's just the best edition ever and anyone who thinks otherwise it's just playing wrong you've just not played it give it a try you will love it I promise you Fifth edition, man. Don't talk about fifth edition. It's just the worst one out there. There's lots of reasons, but let me start with the free rules. The free rules are only there, really, let's be honest, to help you sell stuff. That's right. It's there so that people will use it, get hooked on the game, and then buy 
your more expensive products once they realize not everything's in there. You haven't got different domains, blah, blah, all the rest of it. So there's people can make other third-party products and again, sell their stuff and sell it through their website. So you again, make money off them at the end of the day. So it's all there for money. Blizzard as a coast is always about making the money. So all it ever does when it thinks of a new edition, it's more like, hmm, we're not making enough money. How can we make some more cash? I know. Well, we invent the game again and we'll find new ways to con people out of the hard-earned cash. But to get to the game itself, not just whinge about Wizards of the Coast, it's too hard to die. We all know this. This is the problem with 5th edition. Characters just go on and on and on. It's near impossible. There's all lots of magic to save them. There's resting. There's magic buffs outside of spells and lots of death saves. It's just far too easy to keep on living in the game and it just takes some of the challenge out of it. Who wants a game where you can hardly ever die? I know you hear stories. Everyone hears stories about, oh, I heard someone who my auntie's friend's niece once died in a game. You know, that's not the point. The fact is, it's a lot harder, and it's just there to kind of keep multi-coddle all these new players who are a bit scared of their characters dying. I mean, compared to older games as well, certainly the OSR games, it's massively overpowered. I mean, some of the stat bonuses you get, some of the skill bonuses, it's just ridiculous how powerful these characters get. You know, we hear it time and time again, it's OP, it's OP, you know, it's a bit of a munchkin, it's super powered, all the rest of it. I mean, also let me get onto inspiration. Inspiration. So if you have a character acting, you get a bonus. Great. So now I've got people going around looking at all their bonds and their flaws, etc., and then using those as ways to get a little like extra advantage role in the game. Oh, an advantage. That's the other thing. Oh yeah, there's great new mechanic. It's not new. It's been around for a while. And also the main problem is it mixes probabilities. You know, we've already got modifiers in the game. So why have we done this? Why have we not just said this gives you advantage, this gives you disadvantage? Use that mechanic. Oh no, we've now got modifiers, pluses and minuses, and we've got advantage. I mean, how daft is that really to mix those two together? It's gone back, the ideas with the games which have gone back to a, a pure age. But here we have, we still have skills coming in. So we still have skills from third edition, which onwards have plagued us, where everyone walks into the room and now everyone's a thief. And everyone's trying to spot things. Everyone's looking for traps. Everyone's looking around everywhere for things. You know, it's just a bit daft still. My biggest bugbear, wizards. Wizards specializing at second level. What is that about? Why is a wizard who's meant to be like learning magic from an early age should be specializing from the early on in his career is now specializing at second level adventuring? Does that make sense? I don't think it does. Let's be honest. The real problem with 5e is that it was designed by committee. It was designed for mass appeal. Wizards of the Coast thought, hmm, well, they actually designed a system we want to make or think of a driving thing to how we can improve it. Let's just find out what all the people out there want and find the ones that will sell the most books to the most people. And that's what we go for. So we sell the game to players, we try to scare off people who are worried about character design by making it too hard. It makes it a bit of a rubbish game, but do you know what? It sells more books. They don't care about any hardcore players and what they think. The old players don't really care anyway, they don't buy as many books anyway. We just want to sell as many books as possible. And that, at the end of the day, its biggest problem with 5e is it's just a cash cow for Wizards of the Coast. So there you go. Two wildly different, but not necessarily mutually exclusive opinions on 5th edition. So to give my more balanced review, as I always do at the end of these things, um, I actually really like 5th edition, if I'm being honest. Um, I like many of the other editions. <clears throat> I don't have a massive problem with it. It's definitely one of my favourite, I guess, of the newer ones. A bit indecisive between 3rd and 5th, which I prefer. I mean, I think 3rd has a place in my heart more from nostalgia than anything else. I did like the fact that 5th edition did, from certainly from its philosophy, go back towards moving towards a bit more than the theatre of the mind. I mean, you do still have, I know I said it a bit tongue-in-cheek, but you do still get grids, you still do get battle maps and stuff, and you can still use them in 5th edition. And some people do, but it did certainly move away from that a lot more. And if you listen to some of the actual plays, you know, less people do certainly use those. I remember a lot listening to a lot of fourth edition actual plays, and those people had to play on Roll20. There's a lot of having to use maps and move things around. And with fifth edition, I have noticed a lot of that moving away. And the actual plays. Now, again, to be fair, in all the systems, you know, no system ever makes you use a battle map. You know, that's up to the players at the end of the day. But there's certainly some that do seem to by how crunchy the combat mechanics get. And if the players always feel a bit obsessed over playing how it's written, they do tend to move towards those. Um, and they do have a little bit of a role, I guess, especially in larger combats so of people keeping track of where everybody is. But it was quite nice to see the sort of the least ethos of it moving away. 
I do like the fact that you brought in things like the background mechanic and the bonds and flaws, etc. The idea that you're kind of building a bit more of a character, not just a character class when you're making one. So you're thinking a little bit more about where your character came from. And yes, it is a bit rooted in mechanics in some ways. And some people might use it as a way of getting optimal skills, etc. for the character. But I feel at least it has a bit more of a more rounded character. I'm quite a fan of systems where they have things like zero-level characters to start off with the profession they were in before they became an adventuring hero. And so it kind of harkens back a bit to those in my mind. So I do like it. Um, I like the fact that they've brought in some of the stuff around magic. So the fact that, you know, the way the spells work, although it's still sort of mostly Vancey and style magic with spell slots, the way they changed how magic memorization worked and things. And I have to say, I'm not an expert in 5 i I've not learned all the different supplements. I know there's different spell casters and things out there and some of them will be subtly different. But generally speaking, more from the wizard point of view, the fact that you can, you know, memorize spells still, but then you can choose which ones you cast each time you pick in the slots and your slots are still there as like a maximum you can spend and stuff and you can empower spells by casting them in higher slots and things. I kind of like that mechanic because it still maintains that balance that you can't do whatever the hell you want, but, you know, you've still got a little bit of control, a bit more control over it when you're, when you're playing the game. Um, advantage disadvantage mechanic i'm a bit ambivalent about it to be honest i don't have an issue with it um a lot of people have really gone on about how amazing it is you know it's it is what it is at the end of the day. it's just another mechanic for you know adding a bit of a bonus into people i do find it a little bit weird which is why i went on the, the talk before about if you have got some things that add pluses and minuses to some roles and then you've also got advantage or disadvantage it does seem a bit like a, a two-tier kind of system i've never quite got my head around really going into depth into the rules about how they're delineated by why things do some and some don't do the other you know for example you've got magical swords that are like plus whatever but then you've got advantage in some situations situations which could should be kind of the same as having a magical weapon should give you advantage you know if you see what i'm saying it's like but i know i know sort of why they've done it it's a bit more of an on-the-fly mechanic really that you can use but i do have an issue as to why you choose to introduce that in one sense but not for others and how you kind of make a decision then about what's a mechanical bonus to a dice roll or a target number and what's the advantage disadvantage mechanic in that situation um before I ramble on too much, um, I'm quite a big fan of the fact that there's free rules out there. Uh, a lot of games have quick start rules, <clears throat> and I think the D&D ones are really good. A lot of people do just play with the basic rules. I know quite a few who just stick to the basic rules and play them, um, so I'm kind of a fan of that. It is, let's be honest, a bit of a lost leader from Wizards of the Coast point of view. They are hoping that by giving free rules out there, people will become hooked on them and will buy them, and it probably works. But, you know, hey, at the end of the day, they're a business. That's what they're there to do. You know, if no one buys the books, they go bustlets, and that helps no one, really. <laughs> if the role-playing industry all goes under, then no one's going to be playing in a new game, so that's not a good thing at the end of the day so whether you love and hate wizards of the coast <clears throat> they are doing it at least to keep their business going and to keep DD coming out there and supplements coming out there um from the death point of view i've said it very tongue-in-cheek in that game but again i don't have an issue with it <clears throat> i never played in any setting where there wasn't some sort of mechanic for sort of death and dying so for example i started in second edition and we used the optional rule then the death door rule which was you don't die till you're minus 10 and you drop like one every turn until someone stabilizes you and then third edition had its rules and fourth edition had its rules and so on so the whole death save thing which did sort of start in fourth edition doesn't really bother me so much i don't really have a massive problem with it and if you don't like it a lot of people send this just change it just don't use it use something different you know you can choose to do that if you and the players want to play something gritty where you're more likely to die and do it but the point is that the game there presents you with rules and it's up to you how you then manipulate them so i said a bit in there that i was involved a fair bit in the D next play test so i saw quite a few of the iterations as they went through and things that came and went and so for example while in the proficiency check you used to have an expertise skill dice that you used to roll uh where you'd like you know roll a d4 or d6 or d8 and add that to your skill etc now what i do like is that although that kind of dropped from the main core of the game if you have the dungeon master's guide for fifth edition that is in there as an option rule to use instead and i kind of like the fact that they obviously did keep some of these things obviously when they've done the play test has been a bit about maybe on the fence or a bit of a split decision around things and so 
sort of kept some things in. And I think that's possibly where some of the optional rules have come through is from feedback from the play test about things that maybe didn't eventually make it in. But they did know there was quite a market out there. And I know as well, there's quite a few articles out there for things like alternative initiative systems and things. And so I like the idea that and that's officially coming from people who work at Wizards of the Coast as well. That's not just people who like playing at third party. And so I like the idea that in a way, fifth edition, although it has its nice core rules, and you've still got those good core rules there to work from. And I'm a bit of a rules lawyer at the time. Um, and we'll get onto this when I reply some comments later on. The fact is, I do like the idea as well that they kind of implicitly imply that, you know, it's all right to hack it, it's all right to change it, because, you know, most of us do that anyway. But it's the idea to some players, it's good to encourage players to say, well, actually, you don't have to do it by the rules as written, but the rules are there and balanced for a reason and stuff. And we do have to think about those sometimes, about when we're tweaking stuff, what we're messing with. And compared to some systems, D&D isn't the easiest one to hack, I would say, because the way classes and stuff will interrelate to each other. But, you know, it's up to you as a person running the game, how you manage those. And it's a bit of a side run, I guess, on 5e. But I think my point is that 5e doesn't stop you from doing that. Um, at the end of the day, I, I'm quite a fan of 5e, I think, in the iterations the last few years. You know, from 4th edition, which I wasn't as massive a fan of. It's definitely my least favourite of the ones that came out. 5th edition definitely reversed that trend and started moving back towards it was more towards the D&D I used to play. Um, although it has come forward and it has changed. And it is, you know, it is there to, I guess, entice more players in, in some ways with how it's written. And, you know, the older style thing does put people off if there's a lot of characters death and stuff especially people like to write character backgrounds and things but you know at the end of the day it's play styles isn't it and like i said you can change that and i have played in games where people have changed that death mechanic to make it more deadly and as long as you know that's what you're getting into then you don't waste your time on the character background you just throw a character together and play with it and maybe try to explore the characters you're playing and if they die well they die that's just them breaks isn't it that's just what happens um but you need to know that in advance and the idea is the game's geared towards i guess it is geared towards my opinion introducing more people to the hobby get into it i think i've said it before that some games because of how they set out um, and i won't name them but there's a few that they put people off new players from starting because the way they're constructed is more i guess more experienced players more experienced games masters and so it's hard for people to get in that entry level whereas DD is going to be most people's entry level most of the time and so you'd expect it to be geared towards that market anyway so anyway, that's my thoughts and that's my little rant and you know uh, my point there is that I do actually really like 5th edition, don't have a problem with it. I don't play it as much because I've gone back to earlier editions just because, you know, those are the ones I know and those are the ones I prefer. So I haven't got a massive drive to play much 5th edition. I kind of would like to play a bit more, I think, at times, but it's just not a massive burning desire necessarily to get into it. Um, wait to see when 6th edition comes out, to be honest, at some point soon. Who knows? Um, but, you know, for now, I'm happy to go back to 2nd because at the end of the day, I'm realising they're all much of a muchness and I'd rather play with a system I know better than try and learn a new one, I guess, and get into all the supplements around that and that's really my 5e perspective so i want to add a quick addendum actually to this episode because i had a few thoughts afterwards that when i was talking about uh 5e has been a good one that the, when they marketed it it was for like encouraging people into the hobby i would add a little tailor onto that that i actually don't think it's a beginner's game i want to make a big difference unless there are games maybe designed for like you know simpler systems for beginners and i wouldn't actually say 5e is a beginner's game um, in case anyone thinks that that's what I was implying because there's actually a lot of depth to 5e there's a lot of optional rules about things around feats and things which were standard other ones they've added and there's optional things there's lots of splat books you can get into a lot of detail on the game and <clears throat> you can get a fair amount of complexity out of it I guess what I was meaning is that they found a way that it make it to appeal to more people I think there's a drive with some systems to be very niche in the market of what they're aiming for. Some games are very crunky, crunchy, and they really kind of aim those at people who really like the numbers, and there's some that are really tactical, and they really go down to just that very tactical element that's the kind of players they're looking for. There's some that are very sort of story-based, and they're very much driven by story mechanics and mechanics that revolve around just progressing a story, and you don't have things like, say, hit points and things in them, <coughs> as an example. 
And what I want to say about D&D is that what they've done is I think they've tried to address lots of different play styles and how they've made it. So they've tried to farm the field as it was across different fields, to mix my analogies a little bit weirdly there, to kind of find a bit of evidence around the different play styles and bring some of those in. So, for example, when I was talking about the backgrounds and the bones and the flaws and, you know, those kind of motivators for characters, they brought those in to appeal to other styles of gaming. I know my wife looked at the 5th edition character sheet one and she said she liked the fact it had those on there because that's, you know, she's very narratively driven. She doesn't like games in general, but I do know she's not into the tactical combat side of things, so she's not interested in hit points and weapon damage, but anything that talks about, you know, relationships characters have with other people and things, she found that was quite an interesting thing and that was an eye-opener for her just seeing that on a character sheet at one point in time. So I kind of want to put that caveat on there. That's what I mean when I say about that sort of like mass market appeal a little bit <clears throat> and about having it out there as a way to draw people into the hobby. It's the fact they've not gone down as much of a niche market. It's still D&D, so it does still kind of fall a bit on the line, maybe slightly of the murder hobo style, as <laughs> I jokingly say about the D&D games. That there's still a lot of fighting involved, but I think they have kind of tried to broaden it a bit more to try and encourage that broader spectrum of players into it. Anyway, just a quick addendum to Copy Goblin Henchman style, and that's it for me now. That's it for this episode. It felt a bit shorter, but I think it's because there wasn't any Colin to have some, but I've decided to save them for a future episode. Um, and I thought maybe I'd have more to say about 5e, and I guess I probably do. It's maybe just the speed at which I spoke on this one when I was getting animated about it. Um, I don't compare these ones to how long the other ones are. I just kind of say what I've got in my mind about them from a very sort of emotive point as loving and hating it, um, rather than sitting down and systematically going through it. So I would like to do these perspectives. Um, if you have any questions or comments or disagreements, feel free to call in. You can contact me on the link or anchor um, FM slash GM Shadow to find me, or you can contact me at GM Shadow on Twitter or email me at GM Shadow at hotmail.com. So until next time, keep on gaming.